We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on everybody welcome into this live episode of the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl obviously the packers make their 53-man roster their initial 53-man roster it was an interesting day. Obviously, the Packers, first of all, announced it like right at what, 3.15, which was just about record time for them. Usually, we're still waiting to get the announcements. Uh, kudos to Bill you know, Huber and Ryan Wood and all those guys, Tom Silverstein, Matt Schneidman, uh, for getting all of the you know news out there through the course of the day. Some surprises, not a ton. I thought this day was had the potential to be super unpredictable from, you know, would they trade Yash Nyman to would they trade for anybody, maybe a tight end, maybe big O from the Denver Broncos. That didn't end up happening. I thought there were a variety of players who could have been cut. I thought there were a ton of players who could have ultimately made their way to the 53-man roster. Uh, but overall, I didn't think anything was too overly shocking. Um, I will get to any super chats and anything like that if you guys want to do that through the course of the chat, and I'll try to get to some questions at the end as well. Probably going to stay till about somewhere between 4 and 4.15. Do have kids soccer practice right after that, so I have to leave right around then, but we'll try to get to as much as I possibly can. Before I get to all the questions, I do want to first just kind of go over position by position and kind of go over Green Bay's decision and just kind of give my raw initial reactions to everything that Green Bay did today. So quarterback was easy, right? Jordan Love, Sean Clifford, Alex Magoo released. That was expected. Now the question will just become, does Alex Magoo ultimately make it onto the practice squad? I believe that he will, but we'll have to wait for tomorrow. I don't think he gets claimed, although there are some teams in some pretty precarious positions at quarterback, including the you know, New England Patriots, who literally only have um, Mac Jones now. They release Bailey Zappi. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But if I had to guess right now, I would probably guess that Magoo just ends up ultimately back on the practice squad. Running back was sort of our first interesting one, right? We see what we thought maybe they would just keep two. I thought they'd keep Patrick Taylor based on special teams prowess. Emmanuel Wilson was sort of the darling of training camp. And then you had the the injured players. You had, you know, Tyler Goodson, who I think everyone loves and would love to have back on the team in some capacity. He gets waived injured. So what that means is he's going to have to probably go through the waivers first no team's probably going to claim him because he's hurt. He's going to revert to IR. They'll work out a settlement, and then it's going to be hard for him to end up back in Green Bay because you have to wait for however long that injury settlement is for plus three weeks after that. So 
it probably spells the end of Tyler Goodson in Green Bay, which just sucks. And you hate to see that because he was such a fun player. Um, and hopefully he lands on his feet, but that probably ends his tenure. And then same with Lou Nichols, right? You didn't know what was going to happen there. Seventh round pick. Goody loves his draft picks, but the injuries just set him behind the eight ball. And being totally frank, it, you know, if I had to look at all the running backs, McCrary came later, obviously, but out of Wilson, Tyler Goodson, Lou Nichols, and Patrick Taylor. I honestly, I was least impressed with Lou Nichols early in camp of all those guys. So Emmanuel Wilson ends up making it as the number three. They release everyone else, not named AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. They do go with three running backs instead of two. There was a, a pass protection play that I had tweeted out yesterday and I retweeted today for Emmanuel Wilson. The big question with him was going to be, you know, just exactly was he going to be able to pass protect basically? And he answered that in a big way with one opportunity. There's basically a double a gap show a blitz shown at, and he has to pick up a linebacker right at the line of scrimmage. And he does a phenomenal job of it. And it's not always going to be that easy. And it wasn't easy in the first place, but not always going to be that perfect from Emmanuel Wilson. But I think the fact that he showed exactly what he's capable of as a pass protector probably went a long way with Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekinds and company. We saw on the 80 yard run, what he was capable of. I thought his third preseason game was his worst as a runner, but even then there were a couple plays in there where you're like, man, he just has a very unique burst. That's sort of like out of nowhere. There's a play where he gets around the corner where you watch on the initial play where you're like, there's no way he's getting around the edge on that play. Like he's just not a speed back. Right. And then little do you know, he all of a sudden he's around the edge picking up 10, 12 yards on the play. And it's like, man, he has surprising speed. You add in some of his pass catching ability that he, I think he showed a little bit of his pass protection, the play that I just talked about. Not really a special teams guy, which is why I didn't think he would ultimately make the 53. I thought maybe he'd be more of a practice squad guy, but he does make it. I totally understand it as a runner especially now that Tyler Goodson was injured and not able to, you know, get back. He certainly had the higher upside of, to me, even Lou Nichols, clearly Patrick Taylor, and it's even debatable with Tyler Goodson as well. And they ultimately go there. The other thing to note here for the running back position, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, right? Jones could be in his last season in Green Bay based on his contract. AJ Dillon's an unrestricted free agent. So you may not be thinking right now of like, all right, future running back and even Emmanuel Wilson. I don't know that they have, like, they're just going to see what he is first. They're not, you know, penciling him into running back one or two next year, but they don't necessarily have a running back. That's a for sure guarantee on the roster next year. Emmanuel Wilson gives them that with the team control that he's under. So really cool story for him. And I certainly understand the decision there. Wide receiver. The only interesting aspect here really is that they ultimately release Grant DuBose. And this may sound interesting, but I actually might think that Jadakus Bonds played a factor in this. And you might be wondering, Jadakus Bonds, he didn't make the roster either. I know. And the reason that I say this is I think Jadakus Bonds, if, if I had to like even say towards the end, the flash plays and the splash plays for Jadakus Bonds at in preseason were better than what Grant Dubose's were. And I liked some of the stuff that Grant Dubose put on tape, especially as a blocker as well. But Bonds might have even been a little bit better. And the thinking by Green Bay here might have been, hey, I think we can probably release both of those guys and get them back on the practice squad. But at least now we have some redundancy, right? If at least if you release both of them, and let's say some team does claim Grant Dubose, you still have Jadakus Bonds to put on your practice squad. And and Cody Cross had a, a fairly you know, interesting training camp as well. That could be a practice squad guy, but I think bonds and what he showed in the last couple of weeks, at least gave them some probable faith that they would get him back in the practice squad, be able to develop him. And even if for some 
you know, strange chance they lost to Bose, they still have uh, they still have bonds in that situation. So I think that probably made them feel a little bit more comfortable. I know that there was some question as to maybe Samore Toure wouldn't make it. Remember, right now, Romeo Dobbs, Dontavian Wicks, both a little bit banged up. So if that week one, and, and we're hopeful that both of them are going to be able to play, certainly, you know, um, Romeo Dobbs, you want to see play in that game, but you do want a little bit of experience there. And just in case one of those guys is not able to go and you you could theoretically, if Dobbs is hurt, go with Watson, Reed, Heath, and then Toure. Toure at least gives you a little bit more experience there as well. I didn't think Toure was super, uh, you know, uh, like a likely cut candidate, but there was some buzz around that as well. I'm happy to see they ultimately kept him. And I think it was the right thing to do. I think he did show a little bit more than what Grant Dubose did in camp. And I think, I think this ultimately made the most sense. And my guess is Dubose and, um, and uh, Bonds are back on the practice squad, but we'll wait and see there. Tight end, nothing super shocking here. Henry Pearson does end up getting released. You got Josiah DeGuara, Tucker Craft, and Luke Musgrave on the 53-man roster. I didn't think there was much else. Austin Allen, I expect him to get back on the practice squad. I thought he had a nice end of preseason and showed off as a blocker a little bit more than expected. I still think that there's probably not much chance that he gets claimed by any other team or picked up in any capacity and you just get him back in the practice squad easily. So nothing super shocking there. Offensive line. What if I told you 11? 11 guys make it. Now, it's going to be 10 tomorrow because Luke Tenuta is going to go on IR would be my guess, be out the first four weeks. And then that will be the move where they're able to get Matt Orzik back on the roster. Right now they don't have a, a long snapper, but Orzik will get back on on Wednesday when they ultimately put Luke Tenuta on IR so that they're able to bring him back. The, I think the surprising here is that just the sheer number of them, right? 11 on the initial 53, that'll be 10 tomorrow. And then the question was going to be, did they keep 10? Was Yash going to get traded? Was Caleb Jones going to get cut? Was Royce Newman going to get cut? I thought it would be Newman. I thought Newman would be gone. When I talked to Justice about it the other day, he brought up a great point. Interior offensive line depth is just a bit of an issue, right? You've got Josh Myers, John Runyon, Zach Tom, Sean Ryan, Elton Jenkins. You basically had five guys that had any real opportunity to play interior offensive line. And ideally, Zach Tom's playing outside, right? So you've got four guys left and then, you know, Royce Newman becomes your fifth in that situation. I do think Sean Ryan will end up, you know, being ahead of Royce Newman on the interior. I don't think it's bad philosophy to keep more offensive linemen. Offensive linemen is a brutal position right now in the NFL. There are far better pass rushers than there are offensive linemen. And if you've got a guy and I listen, none of us, let's just be real, right? None of us want to see Royce Newman on the field. However, he has left tackle, left guard, right guard, right tackle versatility. He played a thousand snaps his rookie year for a 13 year, 13 win team and played good enough that they didn't have to compensate for him. And if he is your 10th, which he is, in my opinion, if he's your 10th offensive lineman, that's a fine spot for Royce Newman. Would I have liked to see them maybe keep a Grant Dubose or, you know, a player like that instead of Royce Newman? Maybe slash probably, but I understand the thinking behind it. And like I said, if, if Newman is your 10th guy, if four other guys go down, what, five other guys go down, and he ends up being the, the fifth guy that you need on your offensive line, so be it. And when Tenuta comes back, he might be the 11th, right? And and maybe what just when Tenuta's back, then they ultimately release Newman at that point. That could be a possibility. Understand it at this point. He does have the experience. He does have some versatility. And if he's number 10, you're okay with it. It's not the end of the world. Could understand if they went in a different direction. I thought Caleb Jones 
really impressive last year in preseason. I thought he had a nice start in his first game. I thought his last preseason game was a little bit more iffy and you saw some of the limitations from a movement standpoint, but man, the thing about Caleb Jones is if he gets his hands on you, you are done. It is over. You're not going anywhere. It doesn't matter who you are. He's just too big and you're not getting around him. Now you can beat him with speed sometimes and he trouble. He has a trouble getting to his spot on some of the run plays. Those are things you have to work through, but He's a unique enough player that I'm happy to see him stick around. And, and Matt LaFleur did mention, and I've talked about this all season long or all off season long when Mercedes Lewis was out in 2020, you, they, what they did at that point is they went with an offensive tackle as the sixth, sixth offensive lineman slash the, the run blocking tight end. Matt LaFleur brought this up about a week and a half ago that they could potentially go with an offensive tackle as a sixth offensive lineman slash big tight end. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, Caleb Jones, as that you bacon sixth offensive lineman, sign me the heck up. That sounds like a ton of fun as a potential big man, six foot nine, 380 pound blocker on some potential running downs. Could they could very well use him in that situation and scenario as well. So we'll see what they do but that could be one situation where they use Caleb Jones in, but overall understand the the decisions along the offensive line and defensive line. The big one was going to be, did they keep Jonathan Ford or not? The other five were locks, Wooden, Brooks, Wyatt, Slayton, and Clark. No other defensive lineman really had any you know, legitimate chance to make the 53. It literally just came down to Jonathan Ford as the sixth or just keep five. I thought maybe they'd go five, especially with LVN's ability to maybe kick inside a little bit and playing so many two defensive line formations. I thought Justice brought up a great point of, you know, from a run defender standpoint, right? Colby Wooden, Carl Brooks, Devontae Wyatt, not great run defenders. That's just not their forte. And I think they're going to get better at it as time goes on. However, TJ Slayton and Kenny Clark, really your only true like potential nose tackle players on the roster. And I don't think they want to use Kenny Clark predominantly in that position. And if they need an extra run defender to play eight to 10 downs, you know, per game, eight to 10 snaps per game. I think Jonathan Ford can be sort of weaponized in that sort of role and allow Kenny Clark to play a little bit more on the end, not have to play the nose tackle quite as much, give TJ Slayton a little bit of a rest here and there and not force Wyatt Wooden or Brooks into positions that they're just not very good at. So I understand the thinking there as well. I wasn't super impressed with Jonathan Ford's last game, but I do understand that you need a little bit of a bigger body there on the defensive line. He gives you something that really outside of TJ Slayton, you don't really have in that super big body that can maybe clog up a little bit of the middle. And I like the decision ultimately to keep them and certainly understand that as well. Six edge rushers totally get this. I, I didn't want to see Brenton Cox get cut. I don't think anyone really did. I think it just made sense to develop him and keep him on the roster and find a way to do so, which is what they did. Certainly Lucas Van Ness, Enigbare, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary weren't going anywhere. And then the question just became, do they keep Justin Hollins or not? the fact that they like just gave him a few snaps in preseason kind of knowing what they had and, and let some of the younger players play really led me to believe that they were very com- you know comfortable and confident in what they had in Hollins. They signed him to the, the free agent deal. They gave him some bonus money, all signs pointed to keeping Hollins. You never quite know when it gets to this point, if they just go with a younger player and maybe release the, 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 the Hollins of the world and, and just kind of go in a different direction. But I, I thought Hollins was going to make it. He did end up making it and you have to love, the depth that this edge position has the, arguably the best depth that they've had. I don't even know how long, I guess maybe you could go back to the, the Preston Zedarius 
Rashawn Gary, Whitney Merciless for just a little bit when Merciless was healthy for that very, very short stint and having four guys that you could go in and uh, and feel pretty confident in. But man, this goes six deep. And I don't know that Cox is going to be active on game days. My guess is probably not. It's probably more of a red shirt for now. Justin Hollins, I think will have a role, but they're going to be able to rotate those guys in. And I think it's beautiful because Preston Smith, you don't want playing 50, 60 snaps in at this stage of his career. Rashawn Gary coming off a torn ACL. You don't want him playing 50, 60 snaps at this point. Um, Kingsley Nigbari, not your big physical edge rusher that you want playing 50, 60 snaps. You want him being the change of pace guy. LVN, not ready to play 50, 60 snaps at this stage of his career. You want him to go in in bursts and just kind of show off his athleticism until he gets the game down a little bit more. Justin Hollins, you probably want playing, I don't know, 10, 15 snaps and maybe some special teams. So everyone is going to be set up for success just based on the depth and the rotation ability that you're going to have at the edge position. So you have to love that. Inside linebacker, three were locks in Quay, Campbell, and McDuffie. Then the question was going to be Eric Wilson, Tariq Carpenter. I know some people maybe thought Jimmy Phillips could get in the conversation. I didn't think that was going to be the case. Wilson, I just expected because of his special teams prowess, but you didn't know maybe they were going to go young, but they ultimately keep Wilson. And then Tariq Carpenter, I don't think he loves being linebacker. He hasn't been on as many special teams units, but I think they know right that this is ultimately a player who needs to be at linebacker. Seventh round pick a season to go. Great athleticism for the linebacker position. Made a really nice play this last game that showed there is some potential there at linebacker and still is probably a core special teamer. So understood the decision there as well. At corner, this is one I had. I had only four corners. I just didn't see a fifth corner that was worth keeping on this roster. I think you get Ballantyne, Keandre Thomas, Shamar John Charles, at least two of those three back on the practice squad. And you supplement the roster by calling one, if not two of those guys up in the interim until maybe you do need to add an additional corner. They could also look via waivers at corner tight ends, another position they could look at via waivers. So the roster's not set. Some of these guys are on the initial 53, but could be released through the course of this week. If they find players that they like on the waiver wire. But right now I think the, the four corners make sense. And like I said, expect them to add Ballantyne SJC and or Keandre Thomas, at least two of those guys and call them up this week or next week going into Chicago for a little bit of extra depth on the actual game day roster. Safety biggest decision here probably came down to Jonathan Owens versus Tavarius Moore. Domovsky reported early in the day that Tavarius Moore likely was going to be ready for week one. They ultimately decide they wanted to go with Jonathan Owens over Tavarius Moore. I thought they would go with Moore. I didn't think Owens was super impressive, but he was on a, a handful of the special teams units, which is certainly helpful. And Tavarius Moore having the injury, maybe not quite being ready for week one, uh, could have definitely played a factor there as well. I thought it was going to be Moore. They went with Owens. I would have went with Moore. They went with Owens. They're smarter than me, so it's probably a smart choice, but we'll see what Owens can ultimately do. But they keep Savage, Ford, Anthony Johnson Jr., and Dallin Levitt as well. Anders Carlson at kicker, well, and we knew yesterday at punter, and then Matt Orzik and Broughton Hatcher released at long snapper. With right now, you see the you know that they're going to bring back Matt Matt Orzik tomorrow, and Hatcher probably I don't think he ends up on the practice squad, uh, but probably just ends up released. Eric Stokes stays on pup; he'll miss at least the first four weeks of the season, and then Tyler Davis ultimately at tight end. All right, that does it for my initial thoughts and takeaways. If you guys do have any questions, I will try to answer as many as I can over the next, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. Um, <laughs> Omar, uh, that's a great question. We will wait and see. This is one, they allowed five yards per carry last year, right? That's going to be one that they have to prove it before we can believe it. Hopefully Devondre's healthy for week one. 
as much as we want this Packers bears game to go in the favor of the, the Packers in week one, stopping the run is going to be a big time issue. They don't have Tevin Jenkins in all likelihood. So that will certainly help things, but Justin Fields, that group of running backs that they have, Mercedes Lewis at tight end, they've got some pretty good run blockers up front. You know, they're going to try to gash Green Bay right up the middle. We're going to learn a lot about this Packers run defense right away in week one with the Bears and Justin Fields coming to town. Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now thankfully, the day of the game I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Owen, so let's talk about this. So how does the Orzik thing work out? So Matt Orzik is a vested veteran. So when I went over this idea with Justice the other day, I said waived, but in this case, it's just released. But how it works out is he's a vested veteran. The Cowboys actually did this as well with their long snapper, Trent Sieg, and it's been done in the past as well. In fact, the Packers have done it in the past. But so they are going to release Matt Orzik, or they did release Matt Orzik today. He's a veteran. He's not eligible to be claimed. He's not probably going to get signed by any other team, and they probably have a deal with his agent that they're going to bring him back. So what they're able to do is just release him outright. He becomes technically a free agent, so that can sign with any team tomorrow. Green Bay probably has a handshake deal of like, hey, we're going to bring you back tomorrow. And now theoretically, could some other team just say, hey, we really want Matt Orzik and offer him some crazy contract and his agent and Matt Orzik have to say yes? Sure. You're probably fine enough with Broughton Hatcher 
that you were, you felt comfortable enough taking the risk to do it. Or like I said, just have some sort of handshake deal in place where he's going to be brought back on Wednesday. The reason that you do that and don't just keep him on the initial 53 is Luke Tenuta. So Luke Tenuta is probably going to go on injured reserve tomorrow. Remember if Luke Tenuta was placed on injured reserve today, he's done for the year. You cannot bring him back in any capacity. But once he's on the initial 53-man roster, tomorrow, Wednesday, you can put him on IR and he's eligible to be brought back through the course of the season. You put him on IR, that opens up a roster spot. You can bring Orzek back. There was never really any fear or trepidation of losing Orzek. And then you're able to kind of keep everyone and keep an extra player rather than maybe having to release an Emmanuel Wilson in order to, to do the same thing and keep Orzek on the roster or someone like that. And then they get claimed and then you lose out on that player. So it just has given you a little bit more flexibility and allows you to keep an extra player on the roster without subjecting them to waivers, knowing that you're going to get Orzik back on Wednesday anyway. So really smart, smart move by green Bay and how they manipulated that. All right. Uh, Tim said, no big surprises at all. I totally agree, Tim. I thought everything was, uh, there was some, you know, mild surprises here and there, but everything within the realm of possibility, nothing had a major shock. I'd say if I had to say like the most surprising thing, it would probably be Grant Dubose, and even that is very, very, very mildly surprising uh, just because he missed so much time and was a seventh-round pick, so it's not like it's anything too crazy. Who's the surprise player that they kept? Thanks for the question, Matt. Um, I don't know that it's a singular player. I don't know that it's a singular player, but I would just say the 11 offensive linemen. I thought for sure once like the numbers were starting to come down to it, that one of Caleb Jones, Luke Tenuta, or Royce Newman – would ultimately just end up released. Now, as I mentioned, Tenuta will go on IR tomorrow and it'll be down to 10. Even still, I thought that, I didn't think that the initial 53 would have 11 guys on it. I thought it would max at 10. So it could have gone in any direction there, or maybe they traded Yash. Like I, I just thought that one of those guys would have been gone. Just that, that would be the the slightly most surprising thing for players they kept is just that they kept 11 offensive linemen, maybe Royce being the most surprising of that. But as we talked about, understand that. Uh, this is a good one. I, first of all, Andrew, I am so happy that they didn't because I don't want to learn how to pronounce his last name. Uh, so that from a selfish standpoint, I also got my wish that we can now at least, I, I guess Valentine's going to end up on the practice squad, but at least on the 53, we end the Valentine, Valentine, Carrington, Valentine, Corey, Valentine experience and don't have to mess up hopefully that quite as much. But I do think that there was some potential there for them to go out and get big O However, and he's definitely a player that Goody would have liked from an athletic standpoint. He's not a great run blocker, which doesn't necessarily solve their issue. Also, you if you're going to give a younger, inexperienced player who needs reps time, you want to give it to Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, right? So I think it made sense maybe that they didn't necessarily go in that direction. It wouldn't have shocked me if they ultimately put a waiver claim in for him, but not trading something for him probably makes a little bit more sense. I do think that he's an upside play who's young and, and, and talented. And like I said, I think Goody may have been interested in that, but I'm not surprised that they didn't trade for him. Wouldn't have been shocked that they didn't put a waiver claim in for him, but I think it would have been an interesting add to the roster. But I think they're going to go with Kraft and Musgrave in a huge chunk of their plays. Just had Aguara move around a little bit. Don't be surprised if they use a six offensive lineman like they use Mercedes Lewis. And don't be surprised if they pick up a tight end via waivers in some capacity. Zach Kuntz, by the way, seventh round pick of the Jets had a 10.0 relative athletic score, the hundredth percentile ultimate tight end from a, an athletic testing standpoint, had a touchdown, I think in the first preseason game of theirs, he ends up released in New York. Remember New York is trying to win right now. They don't have as much 
time to develop players because they are in complete win now mode. He could be a player, more of a receiving tight end as well. Doesn't help your blocking either, but could be a player too that Green Bay looks at. You know, Goody loves his extreme athletes. Well, there's none better than Zach Kuntz in basically the history of the game at tight end. So they could look to potentially pick up him as well. Kevin, thank you so much for the uh, chat there. I really appreciate that. Uh, 11 offensive linemen indicate a trade coming. I don't think so. I think if they were going to trade Yash, they would have done so today by the deadline or not the deadline, but I think they would have done it prior to the, the 3 PM roster cut deadline just to be able to keep somebody else or, or you know, get something in, in return, maybe a player in return in that situation. I just think that Tenuta will go on IR. They'll pick Orzik back up and it'll be 10 on the active roster starting tomorrow. And I think that's a very normal number for any team to have. So uh, I don't think so, but you never quite know. And anything's always within the realm of possibility, especially if we start seeing injuries across the league to offensive tackles. I still think it's within the realm of possibility that Yash could get traded at some point this year. If they, if David stays healthy, and you know, depending on what the Packers' record is, they still believe in Rasheed Walker. Zach Tom's playing well at right tackle, and some other team has like two big time injuries at tackle and is desperate and starts throwing crazy picks at the Packers for Yash. I could see it happening through the course of the season, but for now, I think ten makes the most sense. All right, sideline. Uh, appreciate all the chats. Always, it's tough to say. He just seems like the consummate Green Bay Packer and the guy that they always want to keep on the team. But at some point, age and con- contract to become a factor. I still think next year is going to be another one of those years where they want to start purging some of those crazy contracts so that they can continue to probably take another step in getting younger, but also just financially, fiscally responsible. So Aaron Jones, guys like Aaron Jones, Preston Smith will be looked at next year. Darnell Savage will come off the books. Devondre Campbell will be looked at next year. David Bakhtiari will easily be looked at next year. So some of those big name contracts will certainly be looked at, but we'll just enjoy the 2023 season first and make those decisions a little bit later in the year. Once green Bay's, you know, well, once we see what green Bay's record is and things like that. All right, let's see here. Uh, Spencer, I I'll be totally transparent. I don't have a scouting report on Luke Tenuta. He was a sixth round pick last year. He ends up getting released. I think in, I think claimed then by Indy or maybe Indy just drafted him and then ultimately gets waived and green Bay claims him. but he was just a sixth round pick a season ago. I think Green Bay liked him coming out of the draft. Clearly, they got beat to him by uh, you know in the draft. But one of the interesting things going back to last year, I think he was a tight end that made the transition to offensive tackle. If mem- if memory serves as well, very athletic player. But if you go back to last year, Yash Nyman, uh, Yash Nyman was obviously active in playing, but um, he Tenuta would get active. Before, like over Caleb Jones and Rashid Walker and those guys. So when they were like making their 48 man roster decisions, it was Tenuta that they kept. And one of the reasons I kept going back to why I ultimately had Luke Tenuta on my initial 53 was because of two reasons. A, I thought that if they were going to like release him injured or put him on IR or whatever, that they would have done so already. And B, I kept going back to last year when like they had him ahead of Caleb Jones and Rasheed Walker at the end of last year when they were making their active game day decisions. So those are the two things that stuck with me. He's a fun long-term play potentially at tight end or at offensive tackle that again, used to play tight end and just an interesting player. And I, I could see him being a player that continues to develop. I'm sure they were bummed when he got hurt, but the great news is it wasn't long-term and it sounds like he could be back this season, which is really, really nice. All right, let's see. Andrew, we went over this a little bit already. It would probably be Grant Dubose, but I don't think any of them were super crazy shocking in any capacity. All right, what else do we got? 
All right. This is a good one, Katie. Thanks so much for the chat. Um, there's a couple here that I think could definitely be in play. So tight end is the the easy answer. You've got Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave, Josiah Aguara. You've got two rece- basically receiving tight ends in Musgrave and Craft. You've got Josiah Aguara, who's an H back, fullback, etc. And you don't have your big blocking tight end, your big inline tight end that you want to be able to use in two tight end sets that can go out and just dominate in the, the blocking game, right? So if they find that type of guy, I could easily see them adding it. Heck, even if it's not that guy, even if it's just kind of a well-rounded tight end, anything that they see at that position, I could see them trying to upgrade there and add a fourth tight end to the roster. I'm sure Matt would like a little bit of extra depth at that position. I think Austin Allen will get added to the practice squad to give them a potential call-up opportunity there as well. But tight ends, the, the first one that you could think of. And then corner is another you've only got four on the roster. So if they find a fit that they think could be really good at special teams or add some value in the slot, because right now the, the slot corner position is really interesting. You've got Keyshawn and then not much else. Carrington Valentine did get a cup of coffee there in the last game and showed he was kind of a capable slot guy just in the one snap literally that he got. But outside of that, they could use somebody who either plays in the slot or just a little bit more depth at that position. That's another area they could go with. And then safety. Yes, they have five safeties on the roster. As I've said a million times, take Dallin Levitt, take him off a of safety and just put him as a specialist because he might as well be on the Anders Carlson, Matt Orsick, Daniel Wheel in line of special teamers because you don't ever want him on the field at safety. Anthony Johnson Jr., probably a little bit more of a red shirt type of guy. I don't think you want him out there too much this season. You've got Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, and Jonathan Owens, and none of them are long-term plays. None of them are all that good. So if you find a safety out there on the waiver wire that you think you can pick up and upgrade that in any of those spots, I think that's another one that you absolutely have to look at as well. All right. Let's see. Ron, I think if there were any trades that were going to take place, I think we would have seen it prior to 3 p.m. today. I mean, I'm not saying that these things can't still get done. Clearly they can, and there will be trades throughout the course of the season, whether it's Green Bay or other teams, but you know, these are the type of times like right prior to cut down where those sort of, you know, trades take place. And we saw some today. I think the, the Cowboys traded a corner for another corner as a change of scenery type swap. And th- that's kind of the time to see it. So I think if there were going to be a, a trade where Green Bay acquired a safety or tight end or something like that, it would have happened. Tomorrow's another big movement day. And I guess I should say that as well with practice squads getting made, players getting claimed, we could see a little bit more movement. But I would think if they're going to add a safety corner tight end, I would expect it to be more at waivers this point rather than via a trade. So I'm Bo Melton here, uh, LeCabels. This is always the most brutal, sucky part of training camp because some guys just get their legs completely cut out from them because of injuries. And imagine, like, I just think of my son, like Xavier, of if he was this all-star athlete and he made it to D1 high school football and D1 college football and made it and got a chance in the NFL and got to an NFL training camp and then got there and suffered some sort of injury that kept him out two to three weeks of training camp. And because of it, he ultimately never really had a chance. I can't imagine the frustration for that. And that goes for Tyler Goodson. That goes for Bo Melton. That goes for a few different players. Lou Nichols is another one of those guys that just Tavarius Moore just completely had their legs cut out from them, basically literally and figuratively because they got hurt and you see it every single training camp. You, if you're a bottom of the roster guy, like a Melton, like a Goodson, like a Nichols, like a Tavarius Moore, you need everything to go right. 
you can't have anything to go wrong. You have to be in peak condition. You have to show out in preseason. You have to show out in, in training camp because your odds of making the, the 53 are already compromised just because you're a, a late round guy or a fringe roster guy. Like you got to fight tooth and nail just as it is. So any sort of injury just completely, you know, shuts it down and makes it so difficult to make the roster. So I'm with you. I would, I would have loved to have seen more of Bo Melton, Tyler Goodson, Lou Nichols, Tavarius Moore, and to see if some of those guys could have actually made a name for themselves rather than having to sit on the sidelines and not be able to practice. Grant Dubose, another great example, missed all of OTAs, all of mini camps, all of rookie mini camp, the first half of training camp, the first preseason game. Like that just kills a player like that who's trying to make a name for themselves in the NFL. All right, what else we got? Uh, Robert, thanks for the chat. To be sure, Jadakis Bond signed to the practice squad. Not yet. Practice squads can't get signed to tomorrow. So order of operations, everyone makes their cuts today. If you're a vested veteran, you can sign with any team immediately. If you are not, you go through the waiver process. So everyone has to go through waivers. That's not a vested veteran. And then if you are not claimed, then everyone becomes an unrestricted free agent. And then you can sign with practice squads at that point. But remember, if some other team was super excited about Jadakus Bonds and saw what he did in preseason and saw Big B's training camp videos and everything else and is in love with Jadakus Bonds, they can make a practice squad offer to him as well. And usually players stay with the team that they were on because they've developed some sort of chemistry and know the playbook and are probably have some level of comfortability there. But if you're Jadakus Bonds or Grant Dubose, you can look at the Packers roster and say, all right, Christian Watson, second year, Romeo Dobbs, second year, Jaden Reed, rookie, Malik Heath, rookie, Samore Torrey, second year, Dontavian Wicks, rookie. And if you're Jadakus Bonds and Grant Dubose ends up on the practice squad, now you've got a seventh round guy that's on the practice squad. He's probably ahead of you. If some other team comes calling that has a really awful wide receiver room and maybe some old crusty veterans that are probably gone after this year, if I'm Jadakus Bonds or Grant Dubose, I might say, hey, Green Bay's got a ton of youth at wide receiver. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go to that other team. That's got crappy old wide receivers and I'm going to have a better chance to get called up this year, or at least a better chance next year of making the 53 man roster. So don't think that agents and, and players think of it that way as well. So I very much expect Grant Dubose and Jadakus Bonds to get back on the practice squad, or at least Green Bay to show extreme interest and effort in doing that. But it doesn't necessarily always have to work out that way either. So I do think he will hopefully be back, but you just never quite know. Uh, biggest roster cut around the league. The, the biggest surprising to, one to me was Bailey Zappi. Yeah, like, he looked legitimate at times as a starter last year. We don't even need to talk about the Packer Patriot game where he came in completely off the bench. There were times last year where you were like legitimately wondering if Bailey Zappi was better than Mac Jones. And like, if, if it was just going to be Bailey Zappi's team moving forward. And I, I thought Mac Jones looked way better than him in the Patriots game and, 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 you know, training camp, the, the joint practices and things like that. That was never a question this year, but I definitely thought he was going to be their backup this year. And even more surprising that no team was willing to give like a conditional seventh to, to, to go get him and just bring him in as a backup, especially with the, the lack of QBs in this league. So that, that was definitely the most surprising one to me, at least that I've seen so far. All right, we'll do a couple more here. <laughs> The Patriots cut Malik. Yes, the Packers did not cut Malik. Uh, Malik Heath still on the roster, but yes, Malik Cunningham did get cut by the Patriots as well. So they only have one quarterback at the moment. All right, we'll wrap it up. We'll try to get one more here. All right, Spencer, this is a good one to end with. What bubble player should be most excited about making the roster today? 
Emmanuel Wilson's such a cool story. And if you remember way, way back at the beginning of OTAs and, and, and mini camps and those sort of things, I was impressed by Emmanuel Wilson. He showed a little bit more vision and toughness and wiggle for his size and his plan ability that immediately caught my eye. I kind of been on the train of like, if you would have told me very early on that Lou Nichols was the undrafted guy and Emmanuel Wilson was a seventh round pick, I would have said that that made more sense just based on what they look like on the field. But when you are behind AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, Tyler Goodson, who has had experience in the system and everyone's wanted to keep for forever. Patrick Taylor, who is Mr. Do everything and does everything well, if even if nothing spectacular. Lou Nichols, who you spend a seventh round draft pick on to jump three of those guys, a draft pick of goodies, a fan favorite and super talented guy. And, you know, Tyler Goodson and Patrick Taylor, Mr. Do everything. Well, it may like it seemingly was almost impossible for that to happen. Right. So that's a great story. Malik Heath, although we knew that kind of going into the day that he was going to make it, but still, that's a really cool story. I think that the Caleb Joneses, Sean Ryan is another one. This is a guy last year who looked awful in preseason and training camp. Looked terrible. Looked in terrible shape. Didn't look like he could play. Get suspended in the season. This and this looked like a player who could have made it like be like be done at this point. Like could have been cut by the end of training camp and, and mini camp or excuse me OTAs and mini camp at and to not only play so well in preseason but bounce back and look like he is a legitimate 53 roster player and was an easy keep on cut down day. That's been a pretty good story. Jonathan Ford making it again. Brenton Cox is a great story. I think all of those, I think and Daniel Whalen, Irish born, like I think the first Irish born uh, NFL player in like 30 years or something like that. Like just some really cool stuff on this roster. I think it's going to be really fun to, to keep an eye on this team throughout uh, the course of the season and all the different stories and unique players and young talent that they ultimately have on this team. So Really, really fun stuff. Guys, that is going to do it for me. Got to get the kids to soccer practice. I appreciate you. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all-new episode, so make sure to check that out. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go.